This is not a test. This is your emergency broadcast system announcing the commencement of the annual purge sanctioned by the U.S. government. Weapons of class 4 and lower have been authorized for use during the purge. All other weapons are restricted. Government officials of ranking 10 have been granted immunity from the purge and shall not be harmed. Commencing at the siren, any and all crime, including murder, will be legal for 12 continuous hours. Police, fire, and emergency medical services will be unavailable until tomorrow morning at 7 a.m. when the purge concludes. Blessed be our new founding fathers and America, a nation reborn. May God be with you all. Welcome to a podcast about the only two genres of film that matter. Action and horror. I'm your host, Jesse. With me, as always, my Frank Grill bro, Josh. This is the Bloody Good Film Podcast, and today we are back with another holiday episode. One of our favorite holidays, I think, on this podcast. Of course, we're not talking St. Patrick's Day. We are talking Purge Day, and we are going to be doing the second entry in the Purge franchise, Purge Anarchy. Happy Purge Day, Josh. All bless the new founding fathers. Uh, not only is this episode dropping on Purge Day, it's dropping on Purge Day 2023, the exact date in the fucking movie. We have caught up to the Purge. We are living, <laughs> like if you were watching, like we, we drop these in at 2 a.m., but if you watch this at like 8 p.m. Tuesday that it drops, Frank Grillo is is out on the streets right now in Los Angeles. Just, just know where you're at right now. You're listening along <laughs> to a Purge episode that is happening simultaneous to the actual Purge in the movie. I didn't know that when, when we picked it because we yeah. were just it wasn't planned out last year. We we're like, we'll do a Purge movie once a year. It just happened to line up perfectly, Purgically. something nice. like that. <laughs> Every once in a while, the stars just line up for us, and we get the perfect holiday movie on the day the holiday actually is. So, I'm excited. Oh yeah. Well, Last year we talked a lot about the purge. Uh, I had my mind completely changed. It, it went from like a terrible fucking movie to a pretty great movie. I, I just listened to that episode today because I didn't want to retread over the yeah. same ground. I'm like, okay, uh, we don't have as much ground to talk about because we talked about a lot to do with the purge this year or last right. year. It probably one of our better episodes. If you haven't listened to it, it was actually like I, I, I listened to like I listened to these shit. Uh, we all we all came in kind of almost smart that episode, but it might be because uh, Laura was there, and uh, that's this definitely year, it. Yeah, this year no Laura, and uh, I was that perfect amount of drunk where I'm somewhat smart, and yeah, I'm, I'm not on that part this year. 
So that's a fine line because you go from I'm like borderline actually really intelligent drunk to I'm incomprehensible burping in the middle of the podcast drunk. Yeah, I come I come prepared a lot of times. Sometimes I even have like pre-made points. I don't write it down, but I like I bullet I, I kind of like bullet point reminders on on uh, my screen. Like I'm not going to write everything down, but just like whatever's going to jog my memory because I, I cannot read and talk at the same time. At least we full noticed. sentences. So yeah, that's why the the synopsis never works. But if I just like put a word here and there, like oh yeah, that word means this note. I got it prepared. So I came with that all last year. This has been a hectic week. I don't have any purge bullet point notes. So this will be all going from my fucking memory. But uh, this is more of an action packed, stupid on the street movie. It still has a lot of the themes that the first movie had, but right. it's not, it's, it's repeating everything. So we can come in this a little dumber. And I don't think it'll affect as much, but we're getting ahead of ourselves. We haven't talked trailers in a while. Cause we have had a lot of fucking guests recently. Yes, we have. Been really fun guests. Uh, if you have not listened to that, we called it Herbinger after Harbinger uh, with Joshua Dysart. That's one of my favorite episodes that we recorded. Listen back on that. Great guest. We had talked to Escape Rooms with Puck, who's going to be on Skeptic Hangout with me shortly. A lot of good guests, but we don't need people all the fucking time. Me and Jesse are the OGs on this shit, and we're going <laughs> to cover some trailer ground because we haven't talked trailers in a fucking while. It's been too long. Yeah. And uh, there was an important trailer that dropped like almost a month ago probably for a franchise that we covered last year teenage mutant ninja turtles although this is teenage mutant ninja turtles mutant mayhem with very super nintendo looking uh name title drop looking <laughs> aunt. they definitely watched into the spider verse because they had that choppy cool animation style in it and i can yeah. appreciate that i'm gonna come in with like a good take on that the animation style is perfectly fine. It's not innovative because Into the Spider-Verse already like kicked its ass. Uh, and uh, a lot of people were getting upset because April O'Neil is black. Uh, she kind of did a Wayland Smithers in the comic books, though. And Wayland Smithers in the first season of The Simpsons was black. And then they're like, no, we're going to yellow wash this and turn him into, into a yellow guy on The Simpsons. Uh, same kind of thing happened with April O'Neil in the comics. She started out kind of drawn African-American and slowly she got whiter as time went by. <laughs> it's also easier to do considering the fact that it was black and white comics. So a lot of people didn't pick up on it, but she started out black for sure and slowly became a white character, probably because of the 1990 movie that is brilliant. But looking back at the change, maybe, maybe they could have kept her black, uh, but people getting upset about that. Read your fucking comics. You stop getting upset about things that don't fucking matter like that. Especially, it, it wouldn't even matter if she was white 100% of the time in the comics. It's a fucking comic book. She's not even, a, if, if they changed the turtles colors and made them like purple instead of green, maybe you have something to, to freak out about. But the <laughs> color of April O'Neil doesn't matter. So some fans being dumbasses over that. Here's where the actual problem is. I hate the fucking voices so fucking much. That's where the problem <laughs> is. I know they're supposed to be teenagers. They sound like five-year-olds. Yeah. This is too much for me. I cannot stand the voice acting. I watched the trailer a second time, and the whole time I was watching it a second time, all I could think about was how much you were going to hate this trailer. The voices do sound young. The turtles sound very young. They're also acting very young. Like, they're almost acting like they're pre-teens. Like, they're not even 13, 14. Like, they're acting like 10, 11-year-olds. They're goofing off on the roof. They're taking selfies. They're just being ridiculous. And, like, even the jokes that they make amongst each other just seems like a group of, like, 7- and 8-year-olds, like, in the playground. So, I 
kind of in a little leery about that. I love the art style. I think it's great. I love the choice of music in the trailer. Using Can I Kick It by A Tribe Called Quest, which is one of the most like iconic New York songs, is a perfect song for the trailer. I like the look and I like the aesthetic of it. I'm just worried that it's going to be too kitty, which is weird to say when it's something revolving around Seth Rogen. And uh, I'm also worried about Jackie Chan as Splinter. I don't know if that's the right choice. He, he holds his own in like, I and we're talking kids cartoons. I like the Kung Fu Panda movies, but he has like <laughs> maybe five lines each movie. Yeah. And uh, Splinter needs to sound like sophisticated and deep. And I, I love Jackie Chan. He's a very good physical actor. He's a great martial yes. arts. He's uh, okay. Actual actor. There are definitely actors that are worse than him. But uh, this needed to go to a voice actor, not Jackie Chan. I know he had the Jackie Chan adventures, but he was also playing Jackie Chan in those. So that doesn't get him a whole lot of leeway for me. He's better than Tony Shalhoub because at least he has, (laughs) there's at least some kind of connection. But uh, I don't know. I don't like that choice. There's maybe too many people that Seth Rogen is friends with in it. Like, I know Paul Rudd's in it for some reason and shit. Like, this needed voice actors. Uh, I would have preferred some of those people voicing the turtles i don't know that uh they usually play them up a little too old in every adaptation but i don't give a fuck they should be at least going through puberty where the voices have dropped a little bit like i'll be okay with it if they start out like uh high pitch like in the trailer and then all of a sudden you just hear something thumping against their shells and that's their balls dropping and then suddenly <laughs> and suddenly they're talking a little bit deeper like oh that'll be a good sight gag i didn't see that gag in the trailer but i'm hoping they just didn't give it away would you have a problem in the actual movie if they were just playing younger turtles, like they were playing preteen turtles? Would that be an issue for you? Like, you know, their voices, the way they're acting, it is very preteen. If they decide just to go with, hey, yeah, we have this group of 10-year-old turtles, would that bother you throughout the movie? Yes. There's a reason why I can enjoy the Muppets and don't like the Muppet Babies. Like, that's a completely different property. These are Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. This isn't what I want out of it. I hate the glasses on Donnie. I don't know why they keep giving him glasses. Like yeah. he was able to be a nerd without like the, the glasses gimmick and glasses gimmick is like 1980s revenge of the nerds thing. Now cool people like me wear glasses and they no longer like associate with the nerdy person in the group. So like that needs to go. He looks too fucking adorable. And that's not what I wanted. My Ninja turtles is for my <laughs> turtles to look adorable. Raph looks a little bit better. I still don't like the full head bandana. I always like the, the little tiny, a Zorro, no, Zorro has a full head mask. Yeah, I, I, that's I what he's wearing is the Zorro mask. He's the New York Zorro. Yeah, I just want the fucking '90s cartoon mask. I know. I don't mind the. I don't mind the do rag, the full on uh, bandana. It's very New York to me. I think it's perfectly fine. Uh, I'm excited that we get to see Baxter. You know, my best turtle memory is playing Turtles in Time four on the Super Nintendo way back in the day, and Baxter was always such a cool character. So. To see him and to know it's Giancarlo Esposito, who I think is an incredible actor and has such a great voice acting talent, I'm excited. I like John Cena a lot, so I think stupid John Cena as Rocksteady could totally work out. Uh, there's a lot of bad guys. There's a lot of people that I like in this movie. Like I think Maya Rudolph is funny. Hannibal mm-hmm. Burris, I think, is one of the funniest people in the world. So like, there's funny people in here that make me think, okay, maybe this movie is going to be funny. I don't want to come off and be negative from the start. I'm going to go in hopeful and probably be disappointed. 
I think there's too many people in this cast. Like they seem to be wanting to blow their load of like, Hey, we reread the source material. Remember the nineties cartoon. So we just got every single name you could possibly recognize into one fucking movie. And that usually doesn't work when you overcrowd these movies. Uh, you lose all semblance of a plot. That's interesting. There's a reason why uh Spider-Man three blue, not that Spider-Man two was that great either, but, uh, <laughs> but it, at least it didn't have like a ridiculous amount of villains. The Batman movies where they have too many villains have always gone bad. Too many villains seems like a, a studio melding meddling. And this looks like, I don't even think this is stu- studio meddling. I think this is just Seth Rogen not being the right person to be working on the turtles. I, I like him. I'm a fan of him. I hope he proves me wrong. Uh, but I am coming in very pessimistic, but I, I am somebody that's been pessimistic on movies and loved them before. So I'm, I'm not going in like hoping for a bad movie. I saw smile last year and ended up enjoying that. And if you listen back to the tra- episode where we saw that trailer, I was shitting all over that movie. So I'm open to having my mind changed. I'm hoping to have my mind changed because I love the turtles. I want to look forward to a new turtles movie. I wanted it live action though. This looks better than the TMNT that we covered last year. Oh yeah. But uh, not by a lot. <laughs> yeah we'll have to see uh but going from ninja turtles josh let's talk about another trailer that i saw let's talk about ninja versus shark this is one that i thought uh you fucked up and gave me like a parody trailer because this reminds me i don't know if you've ever seen the trailer for grayson it was yeah. like a cool batman spinoff starring dick grayson because batman was dead it had that same kind of fake quality to it even had like it started out also with like uh the fake uh the Astro Six, Astron Six guys make a lot of fake trailers, and it had yeah. kind of had the grain of Astron Six trailers to it. And then, uh, apparently, it is a real movie that's coming out. Ninja versus Shark, a lot of decapitated bodies. Uh, doesn't the whole plot doesn't make any kind of sense at all? Nope. But it still looks fun. Yeah, just the concept of a ninja taking on a shark is great. Uh, but there's all sorts of just random stuff thrown in, like. All of a sudden, there's zombies eating at somebody's neck. He's chopping people's heads off. It's one of my favorite things in movies is when somebody gets their head chopped off and they're still narrating what's going on in the screen. I think it's going to be ridiculous, over the top. They have like an actual plot written down that I was like, okay, what's this movie actually about? I read the actual plot, still could not figure out what this movie's really about. But there's a shark like flying out of the water, eating people on the land. Like, how does it end up back in the ocean? It's just so ridiculous. It's so over the top. There's blood and gore everywhere. Like this has all the potential to be such an amazing bad movie. Yeah. And we should reiterate, it's not like practical blood gore. This is all really bad CGI kind of shit. And I don't know. The the one thing that concerns me is this title feels like it's out of early 2000s message boards because it was always ninjas versus everything. And uh, I don't know. There's a part of uh, there's a part of me that thinks this, this looks like fun, and there's another part of me that thinks this, this is 25 years too fucking late. And uh, <laughs> I don't know, I don't know if it's going to be inspired, but I'll definitely give it a shot. It definitely looks too fun. It's got one of the coolest movie posters of the year too, like the ninja with the sword, and then just the giant shark like coming over him. I like shark movies, so <laughs> they're always cheesy. Uh, like I love the Meg. The Meg is so good. Even like some of the Sharknados, they're cheesy, stupid fun. I don't like them as much as a lot of other people seem to like them for some reason. But like this, definitely right up that alley. Just the blood and gore amped up, and then 
just that little bit of just Japanese over the topness that you get in movies like that. So I think it'll be fun. I'll be honest. I have not seen the Meg because I hated the book. And then I have not seen any of the Sharknados because it's like, it's boring. Uh, Oh, I've made the dumbest possible concept and I'm making a bad movie. And like people that, people that love bad movies or people always come to me. Oh, you love bad movies. Watch Sharknado. Like that doesn't count. They made that intentionally. And there's, you can make clever bad movies on purpose but that looked like it was this whatever half-ass trying to make a bad movie thing because like a uh, uh black dynamite is making a clever way of making fun of bad movies and in, in the right way of doing that but uh i prefer like the i love mystery science theater i enjoy the movies that come out of there that were made with passion and came out horribly i even I even have some appreciation for the movies that full moon puts out uh, yeah. And Full Moon puts out a lot of garbage, but it's like the kind of garbage you talk over with your friends. So it's like the right kind of garbage. I, I, I don't know. This doesn't look right. Entirely bad to me. It looks entertaining, but it also seems like it's too try hard. So I, it, I'm meeting right in the middle. I'm like, I'm pessimistic optimistic on it. <laughs> yeah, we'll have to see. And the last trailer that we saw, because we haven't done trailers in a while. We figured that we'd give you guys three that we're going to be discussing. This one is surprisingly the least shitty looking of them all with holy shit. (laughs) I had not heard of this or actually I had heard of this, but completely forgot about it because I'd only heard about it and not watched the trailer. Guy stuck in a porter potty. Looks like there's going to be an explosion if he tries to get out of there. And uh, yeah, it's going to be one of those one location movies. And the one location is a porter potty, which most people don't want to be stuck in for five minutes, let alone however many fucking hours he's going to be in there. Some German movie. I accidentally watched the wrong trailer. Like, Oh, I can't understand anything. Anybody is saying, <laughs> but I think I got the gist of it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, just the idea of a one location movie inside of a porta potty sounds terrifying. Like it sounds like that could be the scariest movie of the year just to envision the smell. But this one definitely seems like it's going to be more of like an over the top black comedy type of thing. Like, first of all, there's shit everywhere just all over the toilet all over him outside of the toilet like there's just everywhere and then you have over the top bad guys there's explosives everywhere people are getting shot they just cut to random animals like two different times in the trailer so anytime you get cuts like that you know it's just gonna be like a ridiculous over the top movie and they cut to like it looks like a strip club that was starring his girlfriend and like your girlfriend's with me so like not only is this day shitty because he's about ready to die in a porter potty but apparently his girlfriend is a shitty girlfriend and teamed up with the bad guy that's gonna blow him up or i'm guessing this is gonna be one of those movies where you uh, actually side with the alleged antagonist or because i have a feeling the guy in the porter potty it sounds like he was doing something shitty he was gonna uh, like demolish this <laughs> guy's uh, property so he's like hey i'm gonna fuck you over like rich guy is gonna get screwed i'm gonna have a hard time saying that he shouldn't get blowed up well, in the movie. I don't think anybody should be, uh, I don't think most people should be purged. <laughs> I got to see, I got to see exactly what he should, what he did and how, just how horrible he is. But I have a feeling they're going to, we're going to all come away from this movie going like, yeah, kind of had it coming. <laughs> yeah. This is another one that's just kind of out there and way over the top. I haven't seen a ton of German horror, if I'm really being serious, but This one looks crazy. I like these dark comedies. I love one location movies. It's one of my favorite subgenres. So it could be a nice little mix of both. Uh, I wish it was a little bit more serious. I don't know how you make it a more serious movie with someone trapped in a porta potty. 
Um, but I like the concept of it. So I'm excited. I think, again, this one's coming to Screenbox, which I'm good because we probably wouldn't have seen otherwise. So I'm glad we at least have a chance to see it now. This this plot's actually typical of German horror. They do a lot of movies about people shitting on. Oh no, those are German horror movies. My bad. <laughs> <laughs> those are different. Uh, I I watch those in different places. Uh, people like to get shit on in Germany, though. Like that's a <laughs> they're big on sauerkraut and shit movies. I guess. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> all right, have we talked enough about holy shit? Or are we ready? To go into the purge anarchy. Go for it. I don't know if I can take any more of your shit jokes. That was a solid segue. Your shitty as a, jokes. As opposed to a diarrhea segue, which would have been watery. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> the purge anarchy. You can't go out there. You know how dangerous it is. This won't bring him back. It won't make you feel any better. Don't do this. It's late. You need to leave. Traffic is building rapidly downtown as citizens rush to get home before commencement. If you're not purging, we advise you to get off the streets as quickly as possible. It'll soon be a war out there. broadcast system announcing the commencement of the annual purge at the siren all crime including murder will be legal for 12 hours all emergency services will be suspended your government thanks you for your participation what is this Tonight allows a release. America, a nation reborn. Just drive, just drive. Stick to the plan. Thank you. Follow me. As long as we keep moving, we're okay. People like us, we don't survive tonight! Oh my god, they're taking us. <laughs> this is the last purge of the evening. The bidding will start at 200,000. remember all the good the purge does it's the night of march 21st and it's time for the annual purge this time we're taking it out of the home and into the street five people find themselves stranded on the streets of la on purge night four of them are just looking to survive while the one that saved them has a purpose of his own all hail the new founding fathers one of my favorite times of the year is purge time this movie is the movie that kind of just gave the Purge franchise life to go on and make four more movies after this, because you can only do so many movies that are home invasion type movies where you're keeping the same thing. This brings in Frank Grillo. 
basically turns it into a cat and mouse action movie. And then that basically opens up the whole world for all these rest of the movies. So this one's definitely responsible for all the other movies that came after it. Well, this is the one that made me a fan. But watching the first one last year, I realized how important it was to start out with that movie so you can get yeah. the message fully uh, nailed down about what The Purge is about. You needed to be coming from shitty people and to fully Jesus. embrace what... <laughs> okay. We're past the trailer. <laughs> I'm... Ethan Hawke was a terrible person, so it was Lana Headley. That was what I was getting at. So this year, they took it to. There were a lot of complaints on the first ones from people like uh, like me back in 2013 like that uh, that thought it was a terrible movie and they wasted the concept and it all kind of went over our fucking heads. We wanted to see the purge on the streets. This movie seems to be made in response to that because it takes 99 percent of the movie on the streets and. Uh, it mostly delivers. It it dumbs down the concept. You, you, everything seems like almost just. We told you what it was last year. Uh, we're gonna show uh, the poor neighborhoods are are getting hit up the worst. We're gonna have uh, some some people of color as the protagonist, so we can see that they're getting targeted by the purgers. We're gonna have the rich people being uh, looking like a, a really golf club tennis court preppy people. Oh, yeah. Definitely. And uh, that that was all kind of stuff that was set up in the first movie, so they're just kind of reusing it. The problems of the purge still exist. Of uh, this could only work for a couple of years; it's not really sustainable. I, the whole thing is like the 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 rich is trying to uh, get rid of the expendable people, but most of the time the rich will exploit them for money instead of just outright killing them because they can use them. So it's it's a, it's a little bit strong on the metaphor. Doesn't fucking matter. It's a fun concept. Yeah, definitely. And I remember, I don't know if you remember, but we went and saw this one in the theater together. And the whole lead up to going to see this in the theater was you complaining how much you hated the first movie and why you didn't even know you were going to go see the second one. You complained. We went out to Buffalo Wild Wings, if I remember correctly. And for like the hour we were eating, you're like, this is all the problems I had with The Purge. And you were just so dumb back then. So I'm glad that you've grown up a little bit. I'm glad that you've matured and now understand the concept. And I'm glad that we did the last Purge movie last year because that is a perfect setup. It tells you all the in-depth things you need to know about what's going on. And it allows them to really just kind of get it out there and get it over with and get into the action right away. They don't dwell too much on, you know, the backstory of the Purge because we know that already. It immediately gets us into Frank Grillo and trying to figure out what his backstory is and what he has to do with everything. And Frank Grillo is incredible. It blows my mind every time I see him that he's not a bigger actor. Like, I know he's had some successful movies. Like, I know he was in The Grey, which was a big movie. But, like, he has so many good performances anytime he's on the screen. Like, it's a shame that, one, that he was not the uh, Punisher, but that he's just not getting bigger roles. Yeah, it's probably because they wasted him on crossbones in in Avengers. And I thought, like... In Winter Soldier, it kind of made sense that uh, he had like a two-second part that wasn't really anything. But I'm like, okay, Civil War came out after Purge Anarchy. They're going to take advantage of the fact that they got talent like Frank Grillo in it for two seconds. I was like, what the <laughs> fuck? And, and Crossbones is a big character in the comic, so it made zero sense that they did that. So at least he should have been exploited more by MCU. But I've heard rumors that he's going into uh, DC movies now. And I have a feeling James Gunn won't let somebody like Frank Grillo get wasted. 
but yeah, he he's been great. He, I think this is his best movie. I but I also love no Cop Shop might be his best movie. Cop that Shop might be good. his most insane performance too. Because and this one, uh, Frank Grillo is almost like stoic. He and just like the reluctant hero, but he he's he's doing it in a very cool, aloof way for the majority of the movie. While his Cop Shop got to show his real acting chops, uh, but uh, he he's what makes this movie great. But he's also a typical action movie character, like down to, down to his whole motive is uh trying to kill uh, the person that drunk drived and and killed his son. He's trying to he has a reason to be on the purge. It's for a bad reason, and of course at the end, you know he's not going to go through with it, despite the fact that he's almost leaving people out to die earlier in the movie. He's rediscovered his heart, so of course he's gonna <laughs> he's gonna fucking uh, be the good guy all the way through the movie. And he's just got such a cool look in this movie. It's just like a very like traditional, I'm a badass going out to do badass things look. Like he's got the all black going on. He's got like the pea coat with the high collar that he slings the the gun around. It's like, okay, he's a badass. And him going to that first little part where he's meeting our main characters and basically deciding whether or not it's worth it to him to stop and save someone. I like the little inner turmoil that we get with him that's, okay, do I want to do what I need to do or do I feel guilty enough to stop? I like that he at least had that conversation with himself. They didn't dwell on it too long. He decides, yeah, it is worth it for me to go out there and save them. But I like that we at least see him struggling with it. Like, is my vendetta more important than, you know, the lives of people that I don't know? And, and uh, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense on Purge Night because gonna, he's going to run across a bunch of people that he doesn't know. But apparently he says uh, Callie, the, the daughter – Reminds him of somebody, so like that's why because she put up a huge fight that he he saved her. Uh, did you think that maybe the reason that they were targeted in their apartment complex was because of Callie's grandfather and uh, Ava's Ava's uh, dying father put himself out there to be a sacrifice? And they're like, we don't really want to pay our bill. We're supposed to pay him a hundred thousand dollars <laughs> for this. Let's go kill these people so people don't know that we. Uh, nag on our on our promises of money later on <laughs> i don't think that was it at all I, honestly we talked about how they they were targeted i i very much think that like, the rich affluent people are gonna go talk to uh, the guy that's named big daddy in the credits uh they're gonna yeah. they're, they're gonna have some connections to him he's probably part of their yacht club and they're like hey could you get these two people here so that we can kill their father without having to pay for it like just, I, I 100% think if their father hadn't sacrificed himself uh, to uh, to be martyred on, on the purge, they wouldn't have been targeted. They were just like living up there. They Diego would have been there uh, for sure. And they might still have died from Diego, not had a, a great night that way. But uh, they definitely I do think that they were targeted because of their father uh, went and martyred himself. See, I don't think that at all because when they actually get in the truck after they shoot Big Daddy and or after they they come back to the truck and they find that it's empty, they're going through, you know, his big semi truck with the machine gun on it and everything like that. Like they can see all the different they almost look like hives is what it looks like, but all the different uh, housing projects that they're going to that are all highlighted that these are the ones that we need to hit and clear out again, going with the first movie. I think it's very much that they're just trying to clear out some of the lower income levels. They're not trying to get rid of everybody, but Big Daddy, even at the end of the movie, goes on to say, yeah, you know, people aren't purging like they used to, so we have to make sure that we hit our quota, essentially. So they're going through to clear out lower income housing. And then once Hector broke the door down, 
and basically opened up their apartment to whoever comes in. That just made them an easier target. Like they had the big old saw that they were chopping everyone's doors down. So like they weren't just going to their house. And then we see them later on in the movie going to a different apartment complex. Yeah, but they specifically targeted them. They, the other people they were killing right on the spot, they got targeted as people that they should fucking take. So I he really, said he, they were the type of people that he that Big Daddy wanted. He, he said they he wanted these two. He said he signaled them out. These two, not just type of people. They were very much singled out. I think you misheard. I but think uh, so. I, uh, I hundred percent think that this movie. I kept waiting for him to say that they were targeted because even Frank Grillo was like, "Why are they after you?" Uh, I a hundred percent think that they were targeted because uh, there's rich people don't get rich or stay rich by sending out a hundred thousand dollar checks. They get rich by finding a way to nag on those checks. So I kept waiting for it to find out that the father's sacrifice is what put them in danger, and they never spell it out. But I think there's enough clues in there. To show that, uh, and it, it go with the commentary of this movie to show that just how corrupt the rich people are. Because uh, uh, in this universe, uh, both the movie and the universe that me and Jesse live in, rich people are generally <laughs> terrible people, and it makes yep. sense. I was hoping that, like at the end of the movie, when they're driving Frank Grillo back to the hospital, that like she just get a little notification on her phone, and it's like Zell, it's like random rich white family paid you a hundred thousand dollars. Yeah, we never see them get paid. So again, it could very much be going in that, or maybe they're like, we made this deal during the during the purge, so it doesn't matter. We can nag on it. <laughs> it's not legally bind- binding between those hours. Yeah, may- maybe something like that. I don't think that they're getting paid. It, it's like I do think that uh, it's partially Ava's fault because uh, her father was like going out of his way to like say that he was going to kill himself, get himself killed that night. Yeah. Like he was doing it in code, but I've known him for five seconds. <laughs> that's her father she i presume has known him her whole life and he, he like i thought he was acting weird and then she, they acknowledge he's acting weird and then like the daughter uh callie is like constantly like oh why don't we go check on grandpa see if he wants food no he said he didn't want to be bothered tonight he's gonna get himself kicked i mean he's gonna go get, <laughs> sleep for the rest of the night through the purge like come on you knew what was happening she, she probably was just like i didn't get that raise tonight uh, not having my father around will be pretty good for me financially. Uh, <laughs> he had a good run. Uh, one thing that this movie gave us, and it was something very important, is it gave us pretty much the biggest Halloween costume of 2014. <laughs> because everybody this Halloween and what feels like for like two or three Halloweens afterwards had these stupid masks, the one, the plain white mask with the cross on it, the one that said God, like people were making them themselves. They were buying them at Party City. Like you could not escape it when October rolled around. No, and I think this is the kind of mask that got Yolanda screaming, which we already did that. Uh, we already yeah. talked about that last year, but I think this was the, the movie that it was promoting. Uh, it's pretty creepy looking. This is mostly an action movie more than a her- horror yeah. movie although i i do put it with the horror movies in my collection just because it started out horror i keep all the terminators together and those started out well i put those in action because most of those are action i don't know i don't have a i don't have there's a different concept for each movie i got the system it seems flawed already and i just found I, out about it I, i'm just noticing the flaws <laughs> in this system like aliens should be with my action movies while the rest of the alien franchise should be with my horror movies. There's some problems going on here, but uh, yeah, that aside, uh, let's get to the two characters we haven't talked about. Cause they're useless 
and abysmal yeah. and don't make any kind of fucking sense. Yep. Liz and Shane are boring and should have been shot and killed so much faster than they did. Although uh, when Shane died, I did laugh because of their their whole thing is that they're strange. They're going to get broken up. But for some reason, they're still driving each, with each other on Purge Night, which would have been the perfect. I If I knew that I was breaking <laughs> up with somebody, I wouldn't be driving with them on Purge Night because as soon as like, tempers get hot. And like that would be like the perfect time for her to stab me. So like, no, you don't go around with you don't go driving around with somebody that you're gonna that could possibly be angry enough to kill you. And they're like, oh, they're going to his sister's house. Why? Why? Yeah. And why are they doing it so close to when purge is it commencing? It makes no sense. Like if they absolutely had to go to her sister's house, which they never tell, or his sister's house, they never tell where they're coming from. There's no reason for them to be traveling that we know of on purge night within a few hours of purge coming down. If it were me, I would not go anywhere five miles from my house, uh, after 12 o'clock in the afternoon. Like, and actually that whole day, I I'd only go within five miles of my house before, uh, the at noon. And then from then, if like my car breaks down five miles, I, I can do that within like however many fucking hours it takes for the purge to commence. Like I, there's zero problems that way. And they're just like tempting fate. Yeah, I always run late. I 100% run on Mexican time, which means that I am about a half an hour late of whenever I'm going to stay there all the time. Even I, in all my lateness, I'm not cutting anything close on Purge Day. If I know I need to be back at my house at 8 o'clock, I want to make sure I'm home by like 3 o'clock at the latest. Like, why take chances? Why are you going anywhere other than your house? Like, even in the poor areas, like we see in the housing projects, like, we see that they still have security. Obviously, it didn't you know work the best. It still got broken into, but like they still have like these special secure doors and stuff like that. Like these people seem like they were you know not living in the housing project. So you would imagine they have some sort of security. Like if you guys are going to be together anyway, there's no use to be driving across the city. Like why risk it? They could have just dropped the line. Oh, my sister has like a great security system or something, so we're going there. But why are you going there? in the middle, like as close to fucking and, it, yeah. and they shouldn't have gone anywhere they, where they need to stop at and picks, pick up snacks or whatever. Yeah. Nothing. Like if they hadn't gone to pick up snacks, they never would have had like the, this power steering fucked up on their car and they could have made it there. And you know, what's weird. As soon as they lose their car, they never talk about the sister again or, or about yeah. going to her house again. Like I assume it had to be in LA that they're trying to go to. And they never like, they should have been the one to like offer up a place for a gorilla. Yeah, and, right. Instead, they're like, "We don't know anybody here." Then why the fuck were you driving over to LA? Which <laughs> makes zero sense. Those people deserve to die. I sad that Liz lived, but I was at least happy when Shane died because it looked like they were gonna have that making up moment because he had gotten shot earlier in the movie, and then like apparently you, you shouldn't have a kid to try to save your marriage. You should get shot. And then he's like, this is working great for me. And so he gets shot like 30 more times. He's like, yes. Oh, wait, I'm fucking dead. Uh, she very much uh, she very much was into him, wants to purge some more. So that's or now. So that's go- he has that going for him. But uh, other than that, it's a fucking mess. <laughs> um, I know this movie isn't like a technical masterpiece or anything like that. But one thing I will say, and I noticed a lot when I watched this movie, this movie shot like beautifully for the type of movie that it is. There are so many like picturesque like shots that are just like lingering five, six seconds of shot 
of you know the guy with the machete and the cool mask like as the sunset's going down like as purge night's about to start and then like they have that one and then they have the one where like the two bikes are there around the ice cream truck and it's just a long menacing shot and you see him like in the middle of the city like there's really cool long lingering shots like aesthetically this movie is such a good looking movie like from the way the characters look from the way that some of the purgers look and some of the way the purgers act like everyone's over the top everyone's by far their craziest you know most out of control selves and it adds to a really tense kind of world a really tense street setting that they're walking around in yeah for sure i think i'm just kind of surprised uh james demaco i demonica I, I'm probably saying his name wrong. I, I apologize because he I think he's great. He did the first three movies. Uh, yeah. I remember the third one being a low point. So we'll see how that goes next year. But at least these first two movies are very fucking strong movies. And they're, they got great looks. He has great shots. Uses slow motion in the right moments instead of just like using it to pad time. So I, I absolutely agree. He, he does a great job with what this movie is. Uh, and I, I think he does a good job with like, these these aren't the most original characters in this one, as opposed to uh, the the gray area characters of the first movie. Yeah, like, these these are all tropes we've seen before. We've seen Frank Grillo. We've seen this teenager that can talk a Frank Grillo uh, out of being a, a bad guy before. Although she's the least annoying version of this I've seen. Oh yeah, she's I, good. I actually like Kelly. She, like she fucking makes sense and like. I, I do think that Frank Grillo is seeing what she's saying and he's feeling it every single time. Cause he, he's telling her to shut up, not because he's getting annoyed, but because he, she's making him overthink his actions. And he just wants, he just wants that perfect clarity of his revenge is going to fix fucking everything. And uh, it is actually right that revenge doesn't fix anything. Although like you're going to want that person to fucking die. I think the purge, the concept that they sell to everybody is almost like a... Have you ever done a rage room? No, I've always wanted to. Okay, the concept on those is that it's actually like therapeutic and it's going to help like get rid of all that pent-up aggression. The Purge is based on the same kind of concept. And right. I've actually heard studies that uh, rage rooms don't really do shit for you. They like The idea that uh, it's going to like be anything other than fun destroying things is not founded on any kind of studies that, that I've heard about. It's, it's just like, Oh, you gotta, you gotta vent a little, you gotta let it out. And honestly, uh, sometimes venting isn't like, I, I'm not saying you should, everybody should keep things bottled up, but there are studies that show that, uh, sometimes venting at the wrong time or in the wrong way actually fills you with more rage. That's why those people, <laughs> yeah. I, I think we've worked with those people that are oh, yeah. angry about everything and venting about absolutely every little trivial thing that's come in their life. They don't seem emotionally healthy. They seem fucking <laughs> enraged all the time. And there's a reason because they're fuel getting fueled by the adrenaline they get when they're releasing that rage. So honestly, the purge isn't gonna the the concept of the purge that they're selling is based off of bad pseudoscience. Although they and the reality of the movie, they're not they're just saying selling that as propaganda that some people are picking up on. In the movie, they're not even showing that it actually does work, but it's a strong selling point for people when they they've heard this a billion times. You got to vent everything. You got to let out your rage. They're letting you. They're people believe that because it's been repeated so many times, but it's bullshit. 
but propaganda gets in people's heads. And a lot of the people that you see on the street that are just normal people, not the government people, the, the people that are on the streets, like that woman on the bridge with the machine gun going off about <laughs> her guns and her rights. Yeah. That's somebody that would be in queue today. <laughs> 100%. But I like in this one that we do get kind of our counter to that. And we get Carmelo, who is basically the one that thinks he has it all figured out. And he's the one trying to enlighten people on what's really going on. You know, not what they're selling you on TV on how the purge really helps and why that they do it. But he's trying to give you the actual reasons why. And I like that that character's there. And I like that Callie, another strong character characteristic that she has is that, you know, she's willing to listen. She's willing to question. She's not just taking what's being force fed to her. Like we see with so many other characters, like she is thinking, okay, maybe this isn't all what it seems. Well, there's always going to be people listening to the alternative media as opposed to what the uh, what the main sources on TV or Fox News are spreading. Most uh, <laughs> a lot of the people are listening to, heavily to Fox News, and uh, uh, that's entertain entertainment air quotes, not actual news. Uh, and it is weird <laughs> that we've got to find uh, weird news sources because so much on TV isn't credible. But you, yeah. She is still lucky that she didn't fall down the rabbit hole because it's so easy to fall down the wrong rabbit hole of uh, incorrect information. She just happened to fall into like a Camello seems to be on the up and upside as opposed to uh, wherever she came across this information could have been on, on the purges side. It's sometimes it's a crapshoot on who gets lucky enough to fall into it or, or she could have a better education than uh, her poverty area would lead me to lead us to believe. And she is actually good at, disseminating what's good information what's bad information but uh i kind of that's kind of an area i i i would love to see uh, a purge movie that took place instead of just hours before maybe a couple days before so we can see just how people are are feeding the into prep. this propaganda yeah. and like how it's fueling the rage yeah that'd be an interesting concept just to see you know the lead up to it both how people prepare for it and then how it's pushed to these people and how, you know, they receive it. Like, that would be an interesting take on it, too. That would almost bring us back to kind of like the first level where it's very, a little bit more methodical, a little bit more psychological. It's definitely more thinking. Like, this one, you're never really forced to think. This one is definitely an action movie with a little bit of background. The characters don't get developed probably the way they should, especially Callie. I think she had potential to be very developed. Uh, the characters are still good, but at the end of the day... Like, this is a cat and mouse game. You know, we have Frank Grillo and now his group. He loses his cool car right at the start of the movie, which seems like a waste. And now, you know, they're going through the streets. They got the crazy lady, you know, preaching to herself on the roof while shooting people across the street. They're getting stuck in traps. They're being chased by Big Daddy and his machine gun semi-trucks. You know, all the while, there's the creepy motorcycle gang. Like, it's very tense. It's very action-packed. Frank Grillo is great at just shooting people from two or three feet away. Like that seems to be his real sweet spot is when someone rushes it up, just shooting them twice. I'd say this movie has two strong characters and everybody else kind of like disappears. Mm -hmm. uh, despite the fact that uh, Ava is introduced to it is the first character that's introduced to us. As soon as the purge starts, she kind of goes into the background a little bit. Uh, Frank Grillo, uh, Credited sergeant, they call him Leo Barnes. I assume I think they got his name in the third movie, and yeah, I hear yeah. he's coming back for the sixth movie. I hope that's nice. true. Uh, he he gets a lot of the characterization, and Callie gets characterization. Yeah. Everybody else doesn't really matter. The married couple doesn't really fucking matter at nope. all. Ava doesn't matter. They're just like 
a group for for Frank Grillo to grow off of, but uh, only Callow, uh, Callie and, and <laughs> I, I combine them together like they're <laughs> like they're fucking uh, J Lo. Wait, wait, I can't remember <laughs> what they call that. Jennifer or no? Ben, ben that, that's her name. That is J Lo's name, Jennifer. Yeah, that's correct. <laughs> The whole Benefer thing. Uh, I'm so I don't obviously read the tabloids, so I'm really bad at this shit. But the, the, but those are the only two characters that really matter. We do get to see uh, Ava's friend uh, Tanya was interesting character. Yeah, that's fun. And I I do like that stuff where you think that they're fucking safe in her, in her house. They're being inviting like we don't purge or whatever. But I'm immediately picking up on shit like her. Uh, Tanya's sister is immediately annoyed when she like, uh, our mom's cooking is the best. You can tell by looking at my fat sister, her words, not mine. <laughs> and I'm like, Oh, she, she already looks annoyed by that. They didn't even need to add in the fact that, uh, she was cheating, uh, with, uh, with her sister's husband. They didn't yeah. even need to add that in. Like I'm already thinking she's had enough fat jabs at her that, uh, she's done with this bitch. <laughs> It's just a fun, like, little subplot. Like, it lets you rest for a little bit, you know, while they're talking. Frank Grillo gets a little bit of exposition while he's cleaning all his guns, getting a new T-shirt. But then it's also like, okay, hey, stay on your toes. This is still the purge. So it's a fun departure. It gets him off the street, gives us a different setting for a couple minutes. But, yeah, you could see it right away that she was annoyed and then you see her like in the background, like, constantly. Whatever's going on, she's just in the background, like, staring. Like, you know when you're in trouble and oh, I, my wife gives me a look. Uh, I know when I said something bad or when I did something I'm not supposed to, even if my wife's not around me because she has this look, and that sister was giving her sister the look the whole time, no matter what scene she was in, what the sister is doing, and then she just starts blatantly flirting with the husband like directly in front of her. I was like, oh, yeah, she is getting shot immediately. By the way, your wife was behind you the entire time you were talking shit. <laughs> she was staring at me through the wall. I didn't see it, but you know, you just feel it after so long. Well, you know, the listeners can't tell that you, she wasn't actually behind you, but fine. You want to ruin the trope where you're supposed to just like pull your collar, like, ooh, ooh, whatever. <laughs> see, I, I pulled the collar and they can't see. That's how committed I am to this. That's great kid. visual humor. I'm sure everyone will get a real kick out of that. Ex- exactly. But this is kind of like, the only way I could see lots of murdering happening on Purge Night is people like I don't think the majority of the population would hit the streets. Even in no. this movie, they see like maybe twenty people out on the streets, and it's in L.A. Most people would be uh, tucking in at home or whatever. But there would be like those crimes of passion where like uh, I just found out that uh, my sister was was having an affair with my husband, and like I'm gonna definitely. Uh, wait a couple of weeks and take it out on purge night like that yeah. kind of that, those kind of crimes of passion would be like the only common man thing i could see happening on purge night where the majority of this they have to have it fueled by the government because most people don't want to kill other people like i i kill exactly as many people as i wanted the government has not restricted me on how many people i can kill because my <laughs> osha is zero i don't want to kill anybody and I feel like that's the way most people are. Yeah. Well, there's there's basically two types that we at least see. We obviously see that crime of passion. And then the other people out on the street are just, they seem like extremists. Like they seem like people that are just over the top, very just into whatever it is that they choose to be with. Because they're usually in a pack. Like it's usually not just one lady 
except for that crazy lady on the roof. But all the other ones, it's usually like people pack hunting, you know, people being very over the top, very into whatever it is that they're doing. So you are going to have those extremists, you know, that's going to be in anything. But I think those are basically all you're going to get. You're going to get the extremists that want to do what they wanted to do. And then you're going to get those crimes of passion in the home that, you know, no one may ever hear about until the next day when you say, hey, I need you to come pick this dead body up out of the house. Yeah, and the extremists happen. Like, I, I keep yeah. going back to Q, but I, I just read a whole book on Q uh, last month. So that's probably why it's right straight on my mind, besides the fact that it's been all over the fucking media. Yeah. Uh, but, like, there's going to be the people that are extremists and, like, take things to the, to the next level. Yeah. And that's where this movie is capturing the reality of it. Because uh, I do believe that with the right propaganda, there are going to be people that fully embrace what the new founding fathers are saying about this. I'm not even going to think back about the fact that there are no studies corroborating this so-called releasing the beast does anything to affect crime. The only reason why crime is down is there are less people and less less people to commit crime is going to cause less crime happening. But that doesn't, I, I have a feeling like statistically you go throughout the year, there's still probably people getting mugged. There's still probably people getting murdered. It's oh, yeah. just, but even in today's society, getting people charged for the right things doesn't matter. And like a lot of the people that would be getting charged for murder uh, that would be innocent are probably fucking dead during the purge. And then yep. it's a bunch of rich people that have maybe uh, done some murder or something. And they're not getting charged for shit because of rich people can uh, bank the system. And speaking of rich people, when we get to the scene where our group finally gets caught by the motorcycle, ice cream truck, Halloween mask wearing people, they basically, we find out that they're just in it for the money. They're not trying to kill people. They're just profiteering off of uh, everything that's going on. So they capture them and they basically drop them off with uh, these rich people in this warehouse. And you don't really know what's going on until the screen goes black and they open up and they're like in the middle of this ballroom on display. And then you realize that they're having an auction to decide who gets to kill these people. And like, we've seen this before already in the first movie, we've seen it obviously earlier when the grandpa gets killed. Like you see these rich people paying money to purge safely. We've also seen this in hard target starring John Claude Van Damme. (laughs) But I like that they mix it up a little bit in this one and saying, Hey, you know, it's not always about just, purging for safety like they're purging for sport they want to have fun while they're doing it so they basically they bid to see who gets to try to murder these people and they put them in a little arena which i think is a great touch i would watch a whole separate movie of nothing but these arena fights honestly this is where uh the movie drops in quality just a little bit for me i prefer i don't like the arena thing i and i i get where they're going from but we already know that rich people are being fucking assholes uh there's no real reason to hammer it down quite this hard and the i prefer open city uh escapism as to uh, as opposed to the games of this like we already had the father being killed uh, in a rich person's house that kind of cemented how rich people purge for me that was enough but i would have preferred this to have kept on the streets instead of going into this arena and then uh i don't know enclosed is exactly the problem i originally had with the first movie i don't have that problem anymore but like we don't need enclosed uh en- engagement we need open city engagement and this this part doesn't like completely ruin the movie, but this is the low point of the movie for me. Yeah, see, I kind of disagree with that because this is our let's finally stick it to the rich people. And this is their chance to fight back. You know, 
the people that they're encountering out on the streets, those are not the rich people. Those are not the people that are paying thousands of dollars to kill people. Like the people they're encountering on the streets are, you know, the crimes of passion, the extremists, the people that they're probably not dealing with on a daily basis. But like now these rich people have finally come down to their level. This is the one chance that they get to actually fight back against these rich people, you know, let out all their frustrations. Like this is their one time, even if it's at a disadvantage, I mean, they're technically at a disadvantage against the rich people every day. So this is their one time to kind of fight back. And like, it's, it's fun. It's fun to see Frank Grillo, you know, take out the spoon fed, you know, the two boys and their dad, you could tell that they played polo and all that nonsense going up. Like that's our, oh yeah, it's our moment type. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with them having a cathartic moment of killing the rich. I'm all for eating the rich. There's a great Motorhead song called Come On Baby Eat the... Oh, it's called Eat the Rich, but that was the chorus. Uh, (laughs) But uh, I don't think it was necessary to have it in this part of the movie. And I think it should... And, like, we already know the rich elite are behind, uh, like, Big Daddy's crew from the government. Yeah. It's it's definitely like that. I would have preferred... uh, Honestly, I don't think I th- I would have preferred them lead into the third movie with maybe the rich people getting taken care of that way. Because honestly, the third movie, I don't remember being great. Uh, mm. And like may- maybe uh, they're plotting revenge against the establishment in a whole other movie. And then this movie just has them dealing with their goons because I don't really I, I, I we already know the rich people are assholes. We spent a whole movie starring rich assholes in the last <laughs> one. So. It was it was unnecessary, and like I said, I wanted open landscape. They could explore revenge on the rich in another movie, which honestly would have been a great fucking movie. Is like having a a, a fighting back moment instead of always being on on guard against what they're doing. Uh, so it, it's not entirely bad. It's it's perfectly okay, but I feel like it almost is another movie for me. Like as soon as Frank Girl jumps over the wall and then gets tagged and put in the van, it feels like another movie for me. Until they get out of there, and then it goes back onto Frank Grillo's uh, uh, Frank Grillo's mission to go kill the guy that drunk killed his his son. It's not bad. It's just not the. It's not on the level of the rest of the movie. Uh, one thing that uh, doesn't make sense for me: Frank Grillo obviously has put in a lot of money on his car to make sure that he could get to that guy. He's he, he planned weeks ahead to to take out the security device in the back so he could sneak into the house. Uh, he knows when purge night starts. Why was his car not already in the fucking neighborhood of that guy before purge <laughs> night started? Like he doesn't have to kill him at that moment, but he could have, like he could be like down the street, have him killed, and then use his awesome car to go the fuck home. Like for all the planning <laughs> that he did, he could have been too. Like just down the street, just enough for him not to notice when he looks out his window that there's an awesome armored car sitting out there with the guy that uh it looks like the guy that uh was getting pretty pissed that I ran over his son. Like he <laughs> like he just had to be outside of of eyesight when uh they lock up for, for the purge and then he could do his fucking shit. It makes zero sense that he's so fucking far that uh, just just like my five mile rule for if I was on out there in purge night, he should have been within a, a 
100 yard rule of being on that guy's <laughs> property by the time uh, the purge commenced. It makes zero sense that he do all that planning and not start his car right the fuck there. I'm going to disagree with you again. I thought I was with you. And then when you really think about it, the reason that he's driving from his house to this other guy's house is that's his time to really ponder if he wants to do it. He knows that that's what he wants to do. He knows that he wants to take revenge, but he can't fully bring himself to it. So that car ride, I mean, everybody knows the best time to think is when you're on a long car ride. That car ride between his house, his place of solitude, and where he needs to go to accomplish a murder to avenge his son, that drive is his time to decide if it's really worth it to do it to him. Okay, uh, respectfully, and I'm saying this respectfully so you can't get like uh, offended. You're a dumbass uh, because you. he had over a year to to figure this out. Like the, he could, that car ride it's where he's being, he, that car ride where he's being contemplative. It could have happened before Purge Night X had started. It could have happened before the sirens. That extra like hour or whatever that he needed to get there. Uh, it doesn't mean much to com- no, compare to the fucking year or however much time it's been since his son has died it adds nothing no you never know how prepared you are for something until the day of like you can be the most prepared for something some big thing say a job interview you know he's going to interview this guy you could be the most prepared person for a job interview but the hour before the job interview is the most stressful time. You realize, you know, maybe it's not the job I want. Maybe I'm not as prepared as I thought I was. Like that hour of contemplation before, that's a real thing. He could plan a whole year. Obviously, he has because he knows how he's going to murder this guy. But when you finally get to the point when you have the gun in your hand, you know he's second-guessing himself at least a little bit because we see that throughout the movie that, yeah, he wants to get there. But you can see that he's not 100% sure what he's going to do when he does get there. You're still so fucking wrong because uh, he he would still have it in his head. Like, okay, uh, he'd be able to do that contemplative ride up to up until like an hour before the purge happened, and like driving during the commencement of the purge and risking his life is not the time to think. He's got to now. He's got to be like evasive and defensive about everything out on the road. Where if he had done it in his head, clocked it, like, okay, I got to be at my appointment, like a job interview. You have to be there at a at a certain time his certain time would have been within like 30 minutes of before the purge started to be at be there for his quote-unquote interview and then he was gonna <laughs> riddle him full of questions within that time so like yeah he had plays and he could have been parked there for a half an hour and he could have had that half an hour where he's 100 yards away to contemplate whether or not he wanted to fucking do it that it's you're making zero sense he had planned you saw how much money he put into that car he's a police officer they're they make decent money but they're not like armored car money rich so he's putting so much fucking money into that car with getting it uh, as armed up and badass as possible throughout that entire time of course if this were the real world and they weren't didn't need to have the plot convenience of him running into ava and callie he would have been there a hundred yards away from that guy's fucking house maybe he didn't care if he died maybe he's just like you know what my son's already dead I'm just going to drive through whatever happens. If I get to him, I'll kill him. If I die on the way, it is what it is. No, no, no. 
He wouldn't care. <laughs> he doesn't care if he dies. He cares if the drunk that killed his son dies. So he would get there and then he'd have to risk his life getting back to his fucking house is how it would actually be in this situation. So that guy's fucking dead. But Frank Grillo is, is fucking risking his life getting home after the purge. So what would be safer? Would you be safer driving right as purge started going and murder the guy and then coming home or waiting like he did and then driving back through the purge? I don't think it makes a fucking difference. He didn't (laughs) care. He didn't care about like his life. He cared about avenging his son and the way to get his actual goal was to be within a hundred yards of that guy's house when the purge fucking commenced. As much as I love this movie, that part is a big fucking hole. Regardless, he does finally make it. You know, we get to that point. They break out of the arena. He does finally get to the guy's house. What does he decide to do? He decides to leave Callie in the car. Hey, I got some stuff to take care of. You guys just sit in here. It's not an armored car anymore. They could have very well just got shot and murdered right then and there. But he didn't care at that point. And then we get Frank Gillow's, you know, emotional moment where he finally gets his hands on the guy. He's screaming at him. Just telling him not to say his name. It's what is something... Do you see his face? Whatever. Yeah, Tell me what he looks like. Face. Something like um, that. White, he was not trying to be a white person appropriating uh, yeah. uh, lines from black protests. So he didn't do the, <laughs> the name thing. Although if they if they hadn't made a white guy the lead, they probably could have done that. It probably would have been poignant. But uh, yeah. Frank Girl is cool. I don't think most people are complaining about that. The, the first Purge actually does have a person of color as a lead. And I think that movie is fucking amazing. Yeah. So he finally gets it, and then, you know, right as he's about to uh, murder the guy, that's when we get our hard cut, and, you know, the sun's coming out. You see him coming out of the front door, and then, boom, he gets shot by Big Daddy, and Big Daddy goes on one of those, you know, bad guy monologues where he talks for three minutes about how, hey, the purge isn't working like we say it is. You know, people aren't killing like we thought they would, so we're out here evening up the playing field and giving him the whole spiel, keeps calling him sergeant, and then uh, we find out that Frank Gurlo didn't kill the guy that killed his son because that's who saves his life. And then that's basically where the movie ends. Everyone, we have like a Mexican standoff where everyone's holding their gun at everybody and then the sirens go off and everyone's just like, all right, cool. See you guys next year. And, and then they, they take Frank Gurlo to the hospital and he's the star of number three. So uh, you can assume that he, he lives from this and he's <laughs> supposed to be coming back for number six. Honestly, I can't remember if he lived in part three or if they're going to have to do some kind of some kind of trickery to like, oh, he wasn't dead or not. But we'll, we'll, we'll get into it eventually. I'm just happy that he's coming back. Frank Grill is fucking amazing. Uh, anything else we need to talk about this movie before uh, we give our ratings? You think they're still friends? Like you think Frank Grillo and Callie and Ava are like hand, hanging out once the purge is over? You're like, hey, what are you guys doing? Hey, Frank, you want to go grab uh, some burgers? Or do you just think it's like, Okay, this happened, and that's it. I never want to see you again. No, because uh, Callie and Ava uh, put their $100,000 in the stock market. They got rich, and then they became the snooty people that were hunting them down earlier in this movie. And now they're part of the elite that is purging people for fun. Can't wait for the purge sex. That, that, that's what that movie's going to be. No, no, I, I don't think they ever see each other again. Like, I, I think it's one of those things where they think they're oh, not ever again. They're going to see each other a couple more times because they're all like grateful for it. And then eventually they're like, you know what? 
uh, he saved our lives, but he's kind of a dick. And then he's like, I saved their life and they kept me from being a murderer, but they're kind of fucking annoying. Like their personalities <laughs> aren't going to work. So eventually they're just going to be like, Hey, thank you. And they're going to, they're going to like maybe nod to each other on the street, maybe say hi. And then eventually it's going to stop being high. They're going to stop nodding. And then uh, they're just going to pretend that they don't see the, each other. Like in they're in the super, same supermarket as each other. They're going to pretend that they don't recognize each other. Cause that's what I do with people <laughs> from my past that I don't want to have 100%. conversations with. They're going to do that. So I don't think it's going to be like a mean, like, hey, let's not talk. It's going to be like a, a very much both sides are going to mutually politely uh, pretend they, they don't know each other. No. All right. That's all I had. All right. Jesse, is the Purge Anarchy a bloody good film? So I mentioned it last week. This is my favorite Purge film. I think it's the best one in the franchise. I just love the direction that it took. The movie really is pretty action packed. I feel like we kind of glossed over a lot of the action. There's not like long drawn out scenes, but Frank Grillo is really good at going from person to person to person and murdering. You know, he's shooting people with his pistol. He's got his machine gun. Like the action in this movie is actually pretty good. Frank Grillo is a great actor. He's a standout. Callie is also a really good actor. She does a great job with her role. Everyone else is just a trope. It's just a big caricature, which is fine. You know, we had our exposition in the first movie. We got to learn the backstory. Uh, so I have no issue with everyone just being a little shallow. I hate our other two people that we have. Uh, they are useless. They don't really add anything. I don't care about their story. I don't care if they're falling in or out of love. I don't care if they break up. Doesn't bother me one bit. If they would have got shot trying to get into his car, probably would have been a better off movie for it. Agreed. Um, but other than that, you know, I really enjoy this movie. The action is good. The suspense is still there. You know, obviously with the home invasion movie, those are usually suspenseful because, you know, you're trapped in your house or someone trying to murder you. They do a good job at keeping that cat and mouse element throughout the entirety of the city. And then just adding the right amount of crazies, the right amount of extremists, you know, into the city with them just keeps like a certain pressure of tenseness throughout the whole movie. And I think it does a really good job there. I love some of the shots in this movie. I think it's shot really well. I think the character designs on a lot of these purgers are great. You can see why they spawn so many Halloween costumes. I really, really like this movie. I'm generally a fan of the whole series for the most part, uh, but this is definitely the best one. Uh, it's a bloody, I'm, I'm going to say it's a bloody great film. I really enjoy this movie every time I see it. Yeah, uh, this is the movie that saved my interest in, in the Purge franchise because uh, uh, I had oh, I I I don't remember coming in quite so pessimistic to this movie as you're making it sound. But my oh yeah, you would be very pessimistic because uh, I remember thinking I love the the premise of the first Purge, the the original Purge. It gets confusing because there is a movie called the First Purge. Uh, I remember <laughs> loving the premise of the original Purge movie. And just thinking it was wasted and I was excited to see this movie because it looked like it was going to fulfill on the promise of it. Doesn't fully fulfill on the promise of it, but maybe it's because I'm a gore hound and I think that these movies should be a little bit more violent than they are. Uh, but it comes pretty damn close. I am a huge fan of Frank Grillo after this. Uh, uh, boss level, uh, cop shop, uh, home front. Watch his fucking movies. I think he deserves to be a bigger star than he is. Uh, I'm hoping that uh, that he comes out with some more shit because uh, he's fun to watch. Uh, and this is 
a dumb action movie and dumb action movies are my favorite. This, this movie is not on the same level intellectually as the first one, even though it has a lot of the same creative team on it, but uh, it is giving the fan, like it seems like uh, James DeMonaco uh, listened to the fans on what they wanted to see and made the movie that they wanted to see it yeah. without completely compromising his vision. Although I would say uh, the first purge and I'm not talking about the original movie. The first person <laughs> to capitalize on the concept uh, that this movie's done de- better with social commentary. I don't honestly. I don't know whether this one or that one are my favorites. It'll, maybe I'll I'll re-rate it when I come across it again, uh, come through this again. But those are the two ones that I think do similar movies in the strongest possible way that uh, that is entertaining and. Uh, I really enjoy this one. I do think that it does fall flat a little bit when they get to the rich people doing their hard target wannabe shit. Uh, <laughs> despite the fact that they have cool sunglasses that can somehow have night vision, even though like night vision glasses can't get that compact, but that's the future of 2023 <laughs> right there. So uh, I, I don't think I can say great. I, I honestly don't think there's a single purge movie that goes quite into great, but I can put it into a bloody very good film. It's safe. All right, Jesse, what are we talking about next week? What are we doing next week? It's amazing that I you never remember. I give you the schedule, and you never remember. We're doing a, experimental movies next week. We are oh, doing yeah. Skinnamarink and Outwaters. Oh, I don't, do I even need to do it? Or are you oh, just going to use that take? Do, do, do your take. <laughs> cut, cut that shit out. Cut that yeah. shit out. You got to use your good podcast voice. <laughs> All right, Josh. Next week is a week that I'm very excited for that I would have never forgotten about. It's been on my calendar all month. We are doing two experimental movies. One found footage movie. One found footage-ish type of movie. We are doing The Outwaters. And we're doing Skinnamarink, which Skinnamarink especially seems to be tearing up the community of people. You either absolutely love it or it's one of the worst movies you've ever seen. So I'm interested to see where we land. And Outwaters is just one of those wild trailers where you can't really tell what's happening, but they're out in the middle of the desert, which is right up my alley. Have you not watched Outwaters yet? No, I haven't seen it yet. I've been waiting. I've seen them both. I'm going to keep my commentary to myself, but uh, I have thoughts. Yeah, I wanted to wait. I was going to go see them. I'm a little bummed I didn't see Skinnamarink in theaters. I did. But I got these cool like atmospheric lights on my TV now. So I'm really excited to try those out with Skinnamarink. You you got those atmospheric lights that like link up to the, the movie that you're watching? Yeah, so it links up. So whenever something happens, like I was watching The Purge, and there's that one scene where they go to night vision. And when they put the night vision goggles on, all of a sudden the backlit of the TV matched it perfectly. And I was like, oh, this is awesome. That is so fucking cool. We are having a movie night at your house soon. I'm inviting myself over. Definitely. So I will be using my cool atmospheric TV to watch these atmospheric movies. So join us next week as we watch The Outwaters and Skinnamarink. All right, the beers are empty, which means this must be the end of the episode. Thank you for listening. Make sure you guys go and follow all of our social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and even TikTok. 
at Bloody Good Film Podcast. Make sure you guys follow, leave us a five-star review wherever you get your podcast weekly. Helps us get some new listeners in here. Huge shout out to Soul Grinder for our intro and outro. Make sure to follow them as well at Soul Grinder Official, at Merrill Gate, and a new add-on this year. Make sure you check out our season two logo done by Alvarium.art on Instagram for all your art needs. She is absolutely incredible. And remember, keep it bloody, buddies! <laughs>